talking about when I start losing control of everything, I, I'm going to have to quit. It's getting close, I think. I'm not sure. <laughs> but we're, we're doing good. One of the things that I missed this morning as we were singing that song is tonight we're having a meeting. Um, it's an important meeting, friends, if you can come. Um, it's more than an important meeting. It's a, it's a meeting that we need to have to understand why we're... I, you should know, understand that in a few months or sooner, we're going to vote on leaving the United Methodist Church. And I want you to vote that with understanding, not to vote either way because you're just not into it and don't know. So tonight, we're going to look at why the reason we're leaving the um, United Methodist Church. And as I say that, I said it to Phyllis again the other night, um, we were talking about it, and she said, she reminds me, she's been in that church for 84 years, the United Methodist Church, you know. And I said, I said to her again, well, honey, that church that you belong to doesn't exist anymore. You need to know that. The United Methodist Church that we are part of, it's, it's not there anymore. And it's a sad commentary. So we need to make a, a, um, a vote on, with understanding why we're voting to leave. So tonight's meeting is really important if you've got time to come. <clears throat> okay. Hmm. Let me tell you one little comic thing. We came to choir um, Wednesday night, and there was five of us here, six of us here, I think. Do you remember? Five or six of us. And um, <laughs> Patty, or Jackie said, uh, uh, we don't have any altos. So I said, well, I'll be an alto. <laughs> And then I looked at her and I said, what does an alto do? <laughs> and Jim, Jim says, wait, I got altos right here in my pocket. And he pulls out a little can, you know, with altos in them. So if you come to choir, we have a lot of fun, don't we? David, David keeps us online, but we have a lot of fun. All right, so uh, the lectionary scripture today is um, 1 Timothy um, 3.16. But uh, I want to share with you as we get ready to read that scripture that uh, the important thing that we need to understand today is the Bible is, uh, is being attacked again. And when I say again, it's been attacked since 300 A.D., you know, since uh, Constantine started putting it together. Um, but for us, for us today, the Bible, uh, people who trust the Bible, believe in the Bible... Uh, hold on to the Bible, it, it'd be, for us, it's a revelation um, of who God is in our lives. From Genesis to Revelation, the book of Revelation, it's a revelation of Christ talking, uh, God talking to us, how much that he loves us through his son, Jesus Christ. And, and it's because of God's word, this Bible that we hang on to tightly, um, is where we encounter um, the living God through that. We encounter the living God through reading his word, praying, and being in groups, worshiping like this, being in smaller groups, wherever we're at, trying to grow. The trouble today is um, there seems to be always and ever more and more gods to worship, you know? Uh, there's a ton of them out there, and they're trying to take the place in many Christians' lives. But um, we... we I think if we are to do anything um, in this whole realm of, of making a decision to leave the church, 
the main reason we're leaving the church is because they've taken God's word and um, made it literally nothing. Um, today there's more people who don't believe in the virgin birth who are pastors coming out of seminaries. They don't believe that there's a, a God of creation. Um, they have a hard time believing that and living out uh, the fact that we have a God that makes a covenant with us to, um, to encounter Christ. Um, uh, really, they don't believe in this whole thing of deliverance that God gave his son to deliver us. They have a hard time. They say, yes, Jesus was a great guy, but he didn't die for our sins. And um, the Bible doesn't tell us that. <laughs> and they use the Bible to twist everything and, and, um, and make it um, not relevant um, for us to really put our faith in and trust and experience that living God. They have a hard time believing that we worship a God that... Uh, wants to bring us together. It's a sad commentary, um, but it's that whole issue of justice and mercy. Justice and mercy uh, for us is having a hard time um, today because we really don't sin. Did you know that? There's no more sinning in the world. We do make some mistakes, but it's not a problem making a mistake. So that's the reason that they say we don't need a saving God. Um, because we're all okay, okay? Uh, I'll tell you, if we're not careful, we're, we get uh, sidetracked and we, we start serving our different gods, you know, the god of wealth, the god of, the god of um, um, power. Um, when I think about that, I always go back to Cuba and Haiti and all the other um, Central um, American states that I went to, countries I went to, and they always looked at us and said, why do you people put so much money in your front yard? <laughs> I said, I don't know. And to a country where, well, Haiti, they, their average um, wage for a year is $100, is what they make a year. And they were looking at our grass that costs thousands, and they said, geez, that's, that's not making sense, you know? But um, we, we worship these different things in our lives, you know, and, um, and um, it comes down to a simple fact that God's word is the word we're supposed to listen and hear what's being said. So let's read the scripture today. Follow along with me, will you? If you have your Bibles, open up to it and, and follow along. It goes like this in verse 14 of chapter 2, or chapter 3 of Second uh, Timothy. But you must remain faithful. This is Paul writing to his friend Timothy his spiritual son. But you must remain faithful to the things you have been taught. You know they are true, for you know you can trust those who taught you. Praise God. You have been taught um, the Holy Scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All scripture, he says, is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. God uses his word to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. Mm, my friends, this is the word of God for all his people. Mm, praise God. 
<laughs> so we were, we were um, uh, at one time I, I, I was um, working in a large church and we had a youth group of over 100 people, uh, 100 kids. And we had 24 adults that worked with me, you know, in that ministry. And uh, one, we, we always went to um, Snowshoe, I think it is, in West Virginia. Snowshoe, that's the longest uh, uh, ski ride this side of Mississippi. And um, it's a huge place to go to. And we went down there the first time with these... So I took 72 kids, two buses. <laughs> Can you imagine? I'm crazy. <laughs> we took all these kids down there. So to get to West Virginia, we went my way, which was dangerous to begin with. So we left Ohio. We went into West Virginia. And then we went into Pennsylvania. Then we went back into West Virginia. And then we went into Maryland. And then we went back into West Virginia. Yeah. Yeah, to get to, get to the mountain, Snowshoe in Canaan Valley. And we could have went a different way, which would have been not quite so confusing, but we had to go up the mountain, and I wasn't going up the mountain. We got there that first year, and that night it snowed 12 inches. Yeah, up on this mountain. And, and it snowed all day. It was a beautiful day to go snowing or skiing. It was, it was tremendous. Well, the point is, <laughs> what I want to say to you is, we're, we're going back home. And the, this kid said to me, he said, uh, he said, are we going home the way we came? And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, we'll go back home the same way because it's the quickest and easiest way to go. So on the way home, we went through West Virginia, Maryland, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and I finally made it to Ohio. You know? <laughs> we stopped just before you got into West Virginia and Pennsylvania at the last stop, you know. And, um, uh, uh, and we went to this uh, Burger King to, and a whole bunch of, it was a whole bunch of things to eat at in the, in the stop, you know. <laughs> and I'm behind this kid that asked me that question and the waitress or the lady come up to him and, and she said, okay, how can I help you? He says, well, can you tell me what state we're in? <laughs> it was funnier than heck. Well, everybody got a kick. It, it, it was great. Well, I, I think... My friends, um, that should be what we're asking right now. What state are we in? In our, in our walk with Christ, in our, 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 um, our journey um, in this world, what state are we in? And, and I have a bad word. I think we're in the state of confusion, really. The state of confusion because we don't know what is really going on. We, we don't see the, the larger church outside of this church right here. You know, we only see what people are writing and saying. We, we understand that there's all kinds of conflicts, but, but it's a state of confusion. Um, because everybody is saying today, I don't know if you're aware of this or not, but everybody is saying that the Bible is being taken literally so strong today. And, I, and I, I just, you know, all the surveys and the polls that they take um, tell us that um, um, uh, biblical um, literacy right now is at an all-time high. And, uh, and I pray that's true. I pray that's true. Um, the trouble of it is, is, is other polls um, don't say the same thing, you know. Other polls that I've studied and looked at um, tell us that God's word is in danger 
as it always has been. Listen, this is nothing new. Let us understand this. This is nothing new to us. Um, The Christian um, uh, Booksellers Association uh, asserts that there's 90% of the people in the United States, and they have to leave out the homeless and everything like that, but 90% of the people in the United States have at least one Bible in their house. That's good, isn't it? And they say, they say as they look at it and take these surveys, that the average in every household is four Bibles. Now think about it. In your, in your house, how many Bibles do you have? Well, we ha- in our house, we have over 70. <laughs> Can you imagine? Well, it's because I'm nuts. <laughs> Probably in physical library, uh, I have 70 on my computer, and, and we probably have 30 Bibles in physical form. Because you've given us Bibles, you know what I mean? In case you didn't read this one, here, read this one. Yeah. Um, it, it's really kind of strange. Then, so, so if 90% of the people have God's Word in the house, and um, over 50% have at least four Bibles that are being told in these surveys, the next question they ask is, can you name the first five books of the Bible. And nobody could. You know, the percentage was real low. Less than 10% can tell you the first five books. I would even go, can you tell us the first four books of the New Testament? You know, where do you find um, that Italian writer? What's his name? Um, uh, I can't remember his name right now. But there's an Italian writer in the Old Testament. Anybody know his name? It's the last book of the Old Testament. Never mind. <laughs> um, it's, isn't that strange that, uh, that even though the 90% of the people in, in the church have Bibles, or in the, in, the, in the United States have Bibles, not in the church, in the, in the overall, but don't know... Um, where you can find a book. Hmm. When, I, when I have uh, confirmation classes for these past um, 41 years, the first thing that God put on my heart to have them look at was I would have them go home after our first meeting of laying out all that we were going to do, and I would send them home with this home one homework assignment. And I would send them home with this. Go home and count how many Bibles, how many red Bibles you have in your house. Okay? And they'd always come back. Well, we have two blue ones. We have, a, we have a three black ones. Uh, but we don't have any red ones. And I said, oh, guys, I, I should have explained it to you. I didn't mean R-E-D. I meant R-E-A-D. So this, the second week we met... I would send them home and say, now we'll go home and find out how many red Bibles you say. And they would go home and come back and say, none. We have one on the coffee table. And mom wipes it off every once in a while. That was a major one. I have one on the bookshelf, but we never read it. Friends, the thing that that, uh, ties us together more than anything else in this world that tells us how to live our lives tells us, well, let me tell you, tells us three things. Let me give it to you this morning real quick. Because this thing that we don't pick up and read is literally our power source. 
the thing that we need more than anything else in this world because it teaches us. Are you ready for this? These three things. It teaches us how we ought to be saved, truly be saved. You have to listen to it in verse 15 of, of chapter 3 in Second Timothy. From infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. God's word, literally, my friends, is to do nothing more than tell us how to get in the right relationship with us. We'll never know that we'll never know Revelation chapter three, verse twenty. We'll never know that until we read it. And there and there and there alone it says, Jesus says, I'm knocking at your heart's door. I'm heart knocking there. I've been knocking there since you were born. I'm knocking at your heart's door and I want you to open it up and invite me in so we can have a meal together. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? And that's what God's word is basically for. It's not, it's not um, you don't need a, um, a nuclear science degree to understand that. It is the simplest thing in the world. God wants you to know that there's nothing any more important than you and him having a relationship. I remember talking to this one young lady one time, and, and um, uh, while we were talking about uh, confirmation in her, her 13-year-old child, uh, um, a young girl, um, joining um, the church and going through confirmation. And, and she had been in the youth group and in Sunday school and everything. <clears throat> this young girl uh, uh, had a crazy life. And she wasn't married, never, never was married that I knew of. But um, um, she was telling me her life story one time. And it was a powerful story. Of, I was just sitting there saying, geez, God, thank you for letting me hear this. You know what I mean? And, and, uh, and it was a story about her. She said, my parents gave me everything I needed, but they never gave me anything I wanted. Mm, sad, huh? You know, they gave her more than what she needed. And, and when she left home, she said, I left home, went to college, right around here. And um, she said, all I did was go and party. Didn't make it through the first year. She said, all, all we did is a bunch of us got together. Every, every weekend, they would rent out a hotel, two or three, it all depended on how many people came, two or three hotel rooms, and they would do nothing but party. And you know what they did, smoked dope and, and drank beer and, and sex all over the place. She thought things weren't good. One time... They, one, it was one of the last times they did this because she got pregnant and had to leave the group because they didn't want her around anymore. But, but um, one of the contests that they had was to see who could steal the, the most from the hotel rooms. And she stole one thing. She stole one thing, the Gideon Bible. And she, they said, okay, you win. You win. You stole the most valuable thing. And it, it wasn't valuable to anybody there. <clears throat> Until several months, uh, several weeks later, probably, I guess it was, she said um, she had become pregnant, and now she's all alone. The guy that got her pregnant didn't want nothing to do with her, and he had uh, moved on, you know. And she said, I was there all by myself, thinking about ending my life. And she said, all of a sudden, I picked up that stupid Bible I stole. And in the front of it, it says, if, you know, if you're experiencing this, then read this. And guess what she did that night? She accepted Jesus Christ into her heart, into her life. This young lady did, all because of God. That's what God's word is all about, to teach us how to be saved, even though we don't know anything about it. 
Anything about it doesn't matter. God's word is there to tell us how to get our lives right. It shows us how to get saved. The world's idea, you know, the sad commentary today, well, it's been this way forever, is the world's idea about salvation is something that you and I do. Where if we look at God's word, it's what he does for us. Um, If we look at this salvation, truly it's a gift from him. The world's idea uh, about religion um, leads us to God. And I don't know who it was, but a great theologian said, I wouldn't walk across the street for a cup of religion. Because religion doesn't do it, does it? The Bible teaches us that Jesus, not religion, is the way, the truth, to life. And to life, and life through him. <clears throat> the world, really, the world's idea is that God helps those who help themselves. And I think I shared this with you before. It's not true. It's not true. God, the Bible teaches us that God helps those who can help themselves. Uh, You want to read about that? That's in Psalm 34, verse 6. So the Bible teaches us about how to get saved. And then because we get saved and turn our life over to Christ and start reading his word, the Bible also tells us how to live how to live our lives. That's that second thing that we need to grab a hold of us. In verse 16, all scriptures God breathed in useful teaching, rebuking, creating, and training us in righteousness so that we uh, can be uh, in God thoroughly equipped for everything that he has for us. For everything that he has for us. Every time I, I think about that, that, that God's word is to help us understand how to live, I think, of, uh, I think of Martin Luther and John Wesley, John Wycliffe, all those in the Reformation that started uh, that whole thing. It came around, the Reformation came around because people were looking at God's word and saying, oh, we're missing the, mo- we're missing the point. John Wesley didn't want to start the Methodist church, trust me. All he wanted to do was to have the Church of England get back to Jesus Christ. Martin Luther did not want to start a, the Lutheran church What he wanted the Catholic Church to do was to quit doing what they were doing and get back to Jesus Christ. Clear back then in the 1700s. It hasn't changed, friends. It hasn't changed. We are are doing the craziest things in this world. We need to understand, this is not a book that people merely read. You You know, I think I've told you several times, that I had this friend for four years. The last week of December, he would walk up to me boastfully and say, I read the Bible through again this year. And I, four times, every time he said it, my brain never connected, you know, with my tongue. But I said to him every time, I said, well, did you get anything out of it? And every time, without even thinking him too, he said, no, but I read it through. And that was the end of our conversation. Um, people read the book uh, merely to say they've read it and they miss all the stuff there in Leviticus and Numbers and all that crazy stuff because you get bored out of your mind reading it they miss all that and pass that by because it's not important but yet it's most important for us to know where we've come from people live and read it just merely to read it one guy went through and read it over and over and over again while he was in prison. And he wrote down every time he saw the word the, every time he saw the word Lord, every, time, every word he marked it down and, and said there's 18,000 times the is used. Missed the point, huh? 
You see, the Bible is not just to be read. I think the Bible is to be lived. Amen? It's the book that we live out. Um, I, think, I think when we read God's word and start taking it seriously, we change the world we live in. We change the world we live in. Okay, so uh, the Bible tells us how to be saved, tells us how to, be, how to live. And then the last thing I want to share with you is that the Bible teaches us what we need to say to people, what we need to say to the world around us. It's over in verse 4. You have to go over to or chapter 4 um, of Second uh, Timothy. But um, that little guy that was here, uh, what was his name, Elijah? He was right here, and as I listened to him, this, this was where he was at. Listen to this and think about him. Preach the word. So if you didn't hear it, he was preaching the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct and rebuke and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Boy, I've been trying to do that with you, with you folks, and with, for 41 years I've been trying to live that out. I haven't made it, but I'm working on it. For the, uh, verse 3 goes, For the time will come when... When people will not put up with, with sound doctrine. Doesn't it sound like today? Instead, to suit their own desires, they will, will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn, the, turn aside to myth. But you, you keep your head in all situations. Paul is saying to his son Timothy, his spiritual son, that the world will increasingly be less interested in the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We are there, my friends. So there's those that must proclaim the gospel of truth, of God's love and grace for us. Um, Boy, I wish I could remember people's names. But I remember this theologian, I think it's in one of his books, um, uh, Carlson? Colson, Colson, wrote a, an article about a meeting he was in. He was invited to come. He was invited to come to it and, um, and um, um, be a part of the, of the trouble that they were having in the school system in um, Georgia. So he, he went to it, and um, there were several business people there, and, um, and a lot of um, religious um, people. The Catholic Church was represented, the Baptist Church, uh, the Methodist Church, the, the um, uh, Evangelical Church with uh, uh, Colson. What was his name, Charles? That's not it, is it? Chuck, Chuck Colson. Um, he was there. And, and before the meeting started, <clears throat> this one CEO of a big company um, there in, a, in Atlanta, Georgia, said to everybody there, he said, I want you folks to know that um, we were essential. We were the reason they took down the Ten Commandments out of all the schools and off of the of the um, um, state uh, buildings here. That we were, the, we were the guiding force behind that, that Ten Commandments being taken down. And he was braggadocious about it, Colson said. And, um, and they were talking in the meeting then and everything. And um, uh, the leader of the group brought up and said, um, <clears throat> said we have a problem um, in the school system. And the CEO interrupted him and said, uh, yes, there's, there's a huge amount of crime and stealing. And all this, we need to, we, the CEO who was braggadocious about taking the Ten Commandments down, said, we need 
We need something to get in place here so that these kids will quit doing this and help them understand that it's not right to do it. Now, remember, we're talking about God tells us what to give the right words to say in kindness and with patience. And, and I suppose Chuck Colson was sitting there thinking, you're an, you're an idiot. You know, I would have been thinking that. I would have been thinking, come on, wake up. But you know what Charles Colson said to him? He said, you know what we need to do is put up a sign. Please don't steal. Hmm? Just took a sign down and said don't steal. But Chuck says, well, why don't we put up a sign that says, so the kids can see it. Don't steal. Don't kill your neighbor. You know? It tells us how to respond to people in grace and with peace and, and um one of the things that you'll hear tonight is, is we need not be angry at all the people that are doing these crazy things. We're putting our anger in the wrong place. Our anger needs to go because the world, the world, you know the world, <clears throat> the world is standing there with Jesus on the desert saying you don't need God's word here, just I can give you all the bread you need. You don't need it. And we need to say back to the world, no. The same thing Jesus said that God's word is all the bread that I need. Amen? My friends, it's a simple fact. The Bible is there for a reason. To teach you and I how to be saved. To teach you and I how to live our lives. And to teach you and I how to respond to people with love and compassion. You and I, you and I are God's representative for this, this world right now. And what we say and what we do matters matters, friends, more than you can ever imagine because people are looking for answers and they're looking all in the wrong place. They need to pick up that Gideon Bible. And you might be that Gideon Bible. Amen? And tell them about God's love for them. We need that more than ever at this time in our lives. It's not, not a new thing. Hear me say that. It's been going on since time eternal. But we're in the midst of the battle today. If you've got time, come tonight. If you don't have time, come tonight. Let's pray together. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time that we can always get together and learn about your word. And to hear your word proclaimed and to read your word and to have it affect our hearts. And today that's what we pray. That we would understand what your word's for to lead us into salvation, to show us how to walk after that and, and then to help us, help us to be your hands and feet to the world around us. We pray that, that today. We pray that if we haven't asked you into our hearts today, that we would solve that problem and do that right now and just invite you into our hearts. Whether we're here at home, out in the parking lot, it doesn't matter. Just to invite you into our hearts and say, Lord, I want you the way the truth and the life. My way has not worked out so well. Right now, as best as I can understand it, I invite you into my heart and ask you to save this soul. And then I ask you to help me live it out. And live it out and start telling the world around me about your love. Use us, Lord, as our prayer today. Be with us, we pray in Christ's holy name. All of God's children's hand. Amen. Amen. Okay. Good. Let's stand together. And